0: You better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to the DA. Ghosts, and we're doing we don't
1: need. Ghosts. Science fiction is an existential metaphor that allows us to tell stories about the human condition. Isaac Asimov once said,
0: individual science fiction stories may seem as trivial as ever to the blinder critics and philosophers of today. But the core of science fiction, its essence has become
1: crucial to our salvation. Tell me how many lights you see?
0: There four lights.
1: So this is how liberty
0: dies, with thunderous applause.
2: That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over.
0: Well, welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Dave Sellers. And we are the only two that you're getting this morning. We're uh, actually recording this early in the morning uh, during the week. But we've had an opportunity that, Dave, I just felt like we really couldn't uh, pass up. Um, we're chatting with Brent Larson from Silverline Comics. And actually, he's one of the one of the creators in Silverline Comics and one of the writers for them. Brent, thank you so much for coming and joining us here on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast.
1: My pleasure. I'm excited. Yeah.
0: Now, Dave, we were talking about this just prior to l- talking to Brent here. Uh, You're reading through his bio and something really struck you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got a few little things in common here, Brent. Uh, when you, the first, it's only in your bio, the first comic you ever bought was G.I. Joe number 12. Right. Back in June of 1983 when that one released. The other cool thing to me that dropped in June of 1983, this guy. <laughs> oh, no. And then, I went through and, well, and then I went through looking this one up and it, it, it struck me and I couldn't really quite place it. So I went back through and started looking at that comic line from that time and – It was certainly several years after when, you know, the G.I. Joe cartoon was on that I was absolutely in love with. I had all kinds of the toys and everything. And Mm -hmm. then I started getting into the comic books. G.I. Joe number 12 and the about eight issues after that yet in that storyline was one of the first sets I ever picked up myself and going back through and rereading like the, 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 summaries of the, of those issues just brought back so many great childhood memories
1: and, and, and it, it's
2: it's great to see someone else who got their start who got their start in comics yeah. with that issue which was absolutely cool to me
1: yeah uh, it amazes me still i mean uh looking back at uh, just the depth of of the characters and the story itself i, I remember thinking i'm a kid um this should this should feel younger, and yet I almost felt like I was i was looking at it with a, my first adult sensibility, and I was like, whoa, this is so cool. – I had no idea that this was even cooler than I thought because I was buying the toys. I was playing – I played with the toys until like my mid-teens, yeah. way after everyone else started collecting baseball cards or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so it made an impression. That's great. <laughs>
0: Now, was G.I. Joe one of the things that inspired you to get to start writing as a as a writer or like I'm like one of the first things you mentioned is Encyclopedia Brown. And boy, when you mentioned that, that kind of oh. brought in all sorts <laughs> of stories that I read growing up, too. But um, <laughs> what what inspired you? Was it G.I. Joe um, or was it like the three investigators Encyclopedia Brown, that sort of stuff?
1: Well, wow, three investigators. Well, wow, that brings it back Um you know, it was a lot of things, but um, what's funny is probably the one of the biggest influences was my mom read to me as a kid, wow. um, but even into probably like eight or nine or 10, uh, not because I couldn't read for myself, but because she just wanted to experience this with me. and And so I developed a love of reading. I was known as the library kid when I was in school. And at the same time, I started reading comics. And, um, when I graduated and went to college, so when a lot of college guys also decide comics aren't cool anymore, this never happened to me. So I just kept reading them and reading them. And at the same time I got involved with a Christian group, uh, at college and they asked me to start writing skits for them. And I just started doing that. And that was a lot of fun. And I did that my entire college career. And then, um a few years later, um I decided maybe I could do that as a career, so I just took an a correspondence course on script writing this was This was just before the internet started to take off still so we still had to do things through the mail and uh, And I learned how to write screenplays, and I started doing that and then I got with some friends and we started making short films and We kind of have been making a living out of that for the last, what, 12 years, something like that. Um, But I love comics. And I just decided, you know, I think it's probably not that much of a, it's a lateral move to learn how to write comics, um, just like writing screenplays. So it's pretty much more than you asked.
0: (laughs) But in a a lot of ways, writing a screenplay, writing comics, I mean, the focus is on the dialogue. Um, Mm -hmm. And... uh, I mean, obviously there's action that's kind of implied, suggested and certainly fleshed out in the comic. Um, One's fleshed out by an actor, one's fleshed out by the artist. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. you're right. It is kind of a lateral move for you.
1: Yeah. Although I will say comics are a totally different animal. Um, I wrote an article for Bleeding Cool uh, a month or two ago. And what's fun about comic writing is, it's mine, pretty much completely. When you write a screenplay, you write it, you hand it off, and a lot of times you are barred from going to the set because your creative input is done; it is not <laughs> welcome anymore. And uh, but in comics, you're you're in charge from start to finish. So, wow. kind of like that purity of artistic vision, frankly. Oh <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, so I want to get into your comic that that, that we have with, um, I guess it's uh, Kayla's. We want to talk about that here in just a bit. Before we do that, let's talk about, uh, is it Broken Phone Booth? Is that the name of your production company or that you're working with? Uh, yes. Right. So, I mean, yeah, these are some sharp-looking shorts. I just watched, I watched this morning the um, Delight, which is, totally takes you a direction you are not expecting, <laughs> um, but at the same time, what I loved about it was, you know, this guy, Davey. I know you probably didn't watch, I'm going to ruin it for you. Um, oh, but this guy, this guy, you know, this art, this artisan, you know, creates this beautiful masterpiece of food, right. And, uh, and he serves on this platter and you, you, you expect that the, some, whoever this diner is, is going to enjoy it. And the next thing you see is a small little hand coming and crushing this beautiful masterpiece this dessert he's created, and it's his and it's his daughter, and and his response is just a smile and just playing right along, even though he spent so much time working with it. I thought this is such a it's it's a good it's a good little short piece, and um, um, there are many more on there. I haven't watched all of them, but.
1: Yeah, Delight, I actually didn't write. I just produced that one. It yeah. was made by and written and made by a friend of mine. Yeah, we basically uh, just wanted to present a picture of God and how he feels about us. Just kind of something to rattle people who um, might have a different picture, just kind of a something to get them thinking. But yeah, that was very interesting. We there's a lot of cooking shows out there. They're very popular right now and that's what filmmakers like me have to do right now is to look at what's popular and yet how we can kind of take the genre and and work with it ourselves. Right. So nice. yeah. <laughs> It's challenging. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. That stuff changes every day, it seems like. So, so. If,
0: if someone wants to come on to a broken phone booth, if you go to a Vimeo, it's vimeo.com backslash broken phone booth. Literally, that's the URL. Um, if there's a video that you'd point people to that really kind of showcases some of your script writing, is there a video you might point them to that's on this page?
1: You know, there's a couple that I'm particularly proud of. One is called Jangled. Okay. And that is a fun story about a woman who steals a bracelet. And then it starts to multiply up her arm and she can't take it off. And it's kind of a comedic piece, um, but it also kind of gives a picture of what shame can do to a person. And um, so a lot of our films kind of have that fun aspect, but kind of with more of a serious thematic element to it. Um, But another series that's on there um, that I'm particularly proud of is called Z-Blog. And it is just a five uh, episode series about a zombie who um, believes that he's normal. And is doing a video, uh, a vlog, where he is trying to convince the world that he's as normal as he ever was and his friends need to stop treating him so badly and, you know, what it's like getting a job. And yet he's starting to struggle with these feelings that he can't control and that he needs something more than just positive willpower. So, um, that was actually one of the first things we ever did, but I wrote that from start to finish and I still, I still stand by it. I actually uh, love that series. Oh, yeah. I, I see it here.
0: Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. And the premise sounds fascinating too.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we, uh, when we first created it, we were hoping it would, um, go further. Uh, and it still gets kicked around from time to time, but, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I hesitate to say I'm a fan of my own work, but that's the cool thing about working in films. You can say, well, I'm not a fan of my work. I'm a fan of our work. Yeah. There
0: you go. So, because it's not yeah. an individual project <laughs> in film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So let's jump, let's jump uh, before we get into Kayla's, tell us a little bit about how you got hooked up with uh silver line comics. Sure.
1: Actually, uh, Roland Mann is a veteran of comics. He knows um, more about comics. He's forgotten more about than I'll ever know. Um, I've read comics since, well, I was 14 when I guess you were born, Dave. So (laughs) anyway, but um, um, but, let me see. So a mutual friend introduced us. Um, Roland is an instructor at Full Sail University here in Orlando. And this friend just knew that I liked comics from way back, all throughout the 80s. And eventually I branched out from G.I. Joe to all the capes and stuff. I restricted myself to Marvel because I just didn't have the money to go bigger. But uh, anyway, so Roland and I just started meeting and talking about comics. And we noticed two or three hours would go by was we're sitting in our little Japanese restaurant talking about what it was like to read comics. And he would say, Oh, the guys that you read, I used to work no way that is so cool. <laughs> uh, so I'm like in my late 40s going, Oh my gosh! So that was really fun, but anyway, and I told him, identify Roland- with that, can you? No, no, not at all. But I I eventually told him, well, look, I've had this idea for a comic about astronauts going to another planet and stuff. And, you know, Uh, and he's like, well, you give it a shot and I'll talk you through it. So I wrote some scripts and he's like, oh, too much detail. I'm like, oh, wow, this is how comics work. So I started working through that and he's like, oh, you want artists? Here's a good place to look. So I got on pencil jack and got the two amazing artists that you see there, Leander and Lewis. And, and uh, eventually it started to really come together and, and Roland said, well, Hey, I'm going to be restarting Silverline here. Do you want to be a part of it? And I was like, absolutely. It's better than the offer I have now, which was I throw it in a drawer and eventually hope I forget it so that I won't feel so bad all the time. So, (laughs) so, and that was pretty much,
0: yeah, it's either that or really going the uh, going the route of really stomping, going to conventions, and trying to really, uh, really, really push your comic yourself as a self publisher, and that becomes a bit that becomes a bit cumbersome in its own right.
1: Yeah, and yeah. frankly, I'm just not cut out for it. I am a shameless. Uh, Promoter of other people's stuff, but I, uh, you know, I just signed up for Instagram like three days ago because people said I should because I'm (laughs) selling a comic book. And I'm like, oh man, I don't even know what that is. I had an Instagram account, I didn't know what it was. Um, I'm in the process of getting my own website going. And but this is all because people are telling me I need it. Basically, I'm just like, well, you know, my first thought was if I get. 20 of my friends to buy Kalis and maybe it helps me to afford to, maybe that's all I need. And that's a terrible thing for a creator to think. Creators should be thinking we need to get this out to people. I'm like, I don't know how to do the Instagrams. So yeah, but uh, you know, so I'm so glad to have Silverline behind me. That's for sure. Yeah. Otherwise it'd be a non-starter. It wouldn't be a Kickstarter. It would be a non starter. Non starter.
0: Have you ever considered doing like a Kickstarter or something like that?
1: Um, we just came off of, actually, that's how we promoted um, the first two issues of Kalis. Roland ran the Kickstarter. Um, and um, we just wrapped up issue two, like, oh, what was it, two weeks ago tomorrow, I think. We got over 200% and uh yeah we're gonna be shipping them i think in the next month so oh very yeah. good cool
0: all right so uh why don't we launch into uh talking a little bit about the premise of Kiela. as i was talking to dave you and i were talking and this is a fascinating you know kind of uh you know, a little bit out of it feels like a little bit out of the golden age, you know, the government has this secretive space project. They kind of send the Scott Anders into a secret orbit, uh the, the not secret orbit but a secret space uh journey and uh kind of lose track of him. And then mm-hmm. uh, suddenly here in 2020 or whatever, he current day he like comes back.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: Do you want to tell yeah. us a little bit about uh uh, where the ideas came from this and that uh, without spoiling it, maybe tell our listeners a little bit about some of the uh, premise of this and, uh, and where this is headed so far.
1: Calus was just kind of came about over. Um, um, uh, I want to say like at least 10 years. Um, this, this is back when I was just doing screenplays and I was thinking, you know, it'd be really cool to tell a story. Um, I've always been by the superman story of you know superman is awesome why because he came from a, just happened to be humans that look like us that just happened to send him in a crash landing uh, course to Kansas the nicest place on earth um what would have happened if he'd gone somewhere else what would have happened if he didn't look human um and all the variations really fascinate me but it also has got me thinking about uh, what about the normal person? What if they got those kind of powers? And comics have really thrived in their whole existence on the idea that if people got powers, they're strap on a cape and go and save the world from crime, which seems weird because uh we don't really do that with the powers quote unquote we've been why would we expect to do that if we got superpowers? Um But it also makes me wonder um, what would happen if we really tried um, and failed. And that really intrigued me. Um, So if, say, for instance, Superman was an astronaut that arrived on Earth and got powers and he does this thing. What happened if we would send an astronaut to another planet and he got powers? What would he do? Um, Keeping in mind he's not the paragon of Superman is. He's just a guy. And the more I thought about it, the more I really started wanting to see what this says, not just about the nature of power, but the nature of humanity. uh, What's our purpose? um, How do we get to determine what's right or wrong? And what's basically the nature of regret and what we'll be willing to do to set things right when things have gone wrong—a bunch of stuff that seems incredibly heady for a story about astronauts and the CIA. So I was like, "Well, maybe we need to ground this a little bit more." So I really just started to draw it in and thought, "Okay, well, what if this guy was gone? He came back, and the in Kayla's number one opens with him crash landing on Earth." And then he sits out on his quest, and the quest will carry him to the entirety of the series. And that is he wants to go back where he came from. So the, for the continuation of the series, we'll be answering the question, why does he want to go back? Where did he go? Why did he go in the first place? How is the CIA involved? I mean, why the CIA? I mean, you know, it seems weird. Good. Weird is good. And, um, Then we find out that there are forces on Earth that want to keep him from going back. And you start to get into a lot of the history um, between Earth and this other place. And. what's going to happen in the end. Um, I have a firm idea, but uh, getting there is is just going to be a lot of fun, I think.
0: So good. And obviously we don't want you to tell us that here today. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Dave, uh, any thoughts on this?
2: No, it's, this is seeming right up my alley. The more I'm listening to you talk about it and what I've read here about it so far, you know, the classic sci-fi feel, the government cover-up and conspiracy with it. Oh, just two things that are just right up my alley. And (laughs) it it sounds like it makes a very good story. Yeah.
1: Well, I hope so. Yeah.
2: (laughs) How many issues are you planning on uh, running in this line or just wherever it's going to take you?
1: (laughs) You know, it's funny when issue one came out, I got that question and I kept saying, well, you know, I could, I could go like, 60 to 100 issues there's so many stories to tell and then i found out that kickstarter is not really as fast as that when you have to around in things like art and and just how long it really does take to pull things together and uh then i went down to 25 issues and um i've recently retooled the concept to keep it to 17 issues and that's really where i want to uh, cap it. If you ask me again in a year, I might be so impatient, I'll say I'll cap it at six.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. But you have an idea <laughs> of a story or arc that'll take us through a, through, through a journey through that many issues if we uh, if we have the patience oh, yeah. to do that.
1: Yeah, um, I have it mapped out actually pretty well issue by issue already. Right. So
0: They're all hanging yeah. on the wall behind them, which audio listeners you can't see. I'm just kidding, they aren't. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with strings all over the place. now. Um, well, that's <laughs> fantastic. The premise that I agree, Dave, the, the premise is, is fascinating. Uh, the idea, of uh, mystery, why he wants to go back. And, uh, okay. So can you answer this question? Does he have, does this, does Anders have superpowers because of where he's been at?
1: Yes, he does. Okay. You don't have to um, tell me
0: what they are if you don't want,
1: but I can tell you because in Kayla's number one, um, One of the coolest showcases of the series so far is the lunar lander that he went up in plummets back to Earth on fire. And the next scene, he's falling through the atmosphere before colliding on the ground. He doesn't land on the ground. He collides with it, creating a crater. And yet then he crawls out. And um, so we already know that he has some invulnerability going on with him. And it's probably not to, oh, you know what, I think it's okay. In issue two, um, he uh, gets shot in the face with a forty-four Magnum and then throws a pool table at a bunch of bad guys. So he's got a little bit of extra strength going there, too. Right. If there's more than that, I, I don't think I've revealed that yet. But Okay.
0: Well, that's fantastic. So, wait, you said he's crash landing on a lunar module.
1: Yes. Well, he, he's he's arriving at Earth on a lunar module that's breaking up in orbit, and then he continues the rest of the way right. through gravity.
0: Is this yeah. like the 1960s lunar module, or is this like a own concoction of a lunar
1: module? 1960s. Okay. Ah. Absolutely. Nice. He goes up on January 22nd, 1967. Okay. So two years before uh, the Apollo moon landing. Right. Basically.
0: Fantastic. So um, if listeners who are listening are intrigued by this and want get to a, get a hold of it, where, where, where is a, where's a good place for us to send them to kind of acquire this comic? Or sure. can they?
1: Uh, indieplanet.com. If you go there and you just type K A Y L E S S into the search engine, it'll pop right up. The first Dave's issue is there right, right now.
0: Dave's doing that right now. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, actually. <laughs> there you
1: go. Um, and the second issue, Roland will put it up there pretty soon. Um, since, the, the Kickstarter just ended, um, he's in the process, um, of getting it to the printer who Kablam is still in operation, um, even with the lockdown, um, because they're basically just manning it one person at a time. Um, but, uh, they're hoping to get the book to the backers in the next, I want to say month, I think. Right. Um, and that's probably when he'll post the second issue on, uh, Indie Planet.
0: So the issue in a Kickstarter, the issue first goes to the backers, and then uh, then it goes up into Indie. Planet. That's right. Yeah. Good. Fantastic. And if people want to follow a little bit uh, more about uh, where you're at and uh, what you're working on, is there a place, Facebook, Twitter, that you uh, should point them to? Or I know you said you aren't a huge promoter of yourself, but if people are interested in what you're doing and want to kind of connect with you because they they're into this idea of Kalis and some of the either this or the film work you're doing where can we send them
1: uh well probably and I know I'm setting myself up by by telling you this but uh brent.vector is uh my instagram handle and uh that is where I'm gonna start um really just putting stuff up there for for anything i'm into uh and um my facebook page uh brent larson Um, like i said so bad at this but um i'm hoping to turn that around in the next month or so right so Yeah. yeah
0: Well, Brett, it's been absolutely f- fabulous chatting with you, and I'm excited about the premise of this comic book. I, my, what you don't know is my son. You may have heard him pipe up a few times. is sitting right across from me, doing uh, some other work in a game. He's like, "That sounds like a comic book. I'd be interested in." So, <laughs> so uh, I, know, right. I might have to, might have to pick it up for him, Glad and uh, so, yeah. So I might uh, have to pick it up <laughs> for him, so he can uh, he can read it. So. So yeah, he's well. saying yes, yes, you will. You have to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> All
1: right, that's so, awesome. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah.
0: So again, that is Indie Planet is where you can pick up the uh, Kayla's. And if you want to find out some more what Brent's working on, you can do that at um, at the uh, Vimeo.com uh, broken backslash broken phone booth, and you can see some of the video work that he does there as well. Brent, thank you so much for sitting down and chatting here at the Sci-Fi Diner with us today.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I had a great time.